This is your host, Madeline Moon, and I'm here today to share with you a podcast that has been requested over and over again, and finally it is here. I am going to be speaking about my transition from having a religious background and having religious beliefs and moving into a place of very open-minded spirituality and how that has occurred for me. Hmm. Okay, so let's see. (laughs) Disclaimers, disclaimers. First off, and most importantly, this is my journey and not everyone's journey. My journey has evolved in so many different ways and will continue to evolve. Other people who listen to this show, I, I know I have so many people from different walks of life, different beliefs, and I want you'd know that all of that is so welcome and respected. As you will find out in this podcast, I believe that many of us are all trying to say the same thing, but just in our own way. Meaning many of us believe in the same thing. Just it just it just looks differently and it's packaged differently, but it's what works for each one of us until it doesn't. And then you may evolve, too. And I respect wherever you're at in your journey. And I I ask that if you're going to choose to listen to this podcast, knowing what you're getting into, if you have different beliefs, you respect where I'm at in my journey. And hopefully if you are someone, one of the hundreds of people that I know message me and request this podcast episode, if you are someone that has come from a religious background and you're listening to this because you're hoping you gain some insight and wisdom, um, maybe some exploration or maybe just some new point of views to think about and to consider, be gentle with yourself. A lot of what I have come to believe and learn, I the only way I really have been able to get here is because I've had to make the conscious decision to not let myself get lost in the whys and get lost in black and white ways of thinking. I say this phrase a lot. I say black and white ways of thinking all the time on this show. And what that really means is that there is this inherent right and inherent wrong. Um, when it comes to spirituality and my, my transition over from a religious household and those beliefs over to spirituality, the biggest, the biggest key for me in allowing this to happen, to evolve, was making the conscious decision not to uh, not to let myself stop exploring new beliefs because of the fear that there was no cl- clarity. I think that's the best way to describe it. When you come from a background of religion, there's so much clarity. It's just like, this is right, this is wrong. This is the way it is. This is the way it cannot be. Everything that you do must be inside of this box. And again, this is just my perspective. Everything you must do must be inside of this box and everything outside of this box, we do not allow, we do not accept, it is wrong. And if I was to continue that way of dissecting and digesting the world, no way could I be in in spiritual land. No way could that exist. I think having spirituality in your life as the North Star rather than religion is the polar opposite of believing in black and white. I think it is one of the most open-minded ways you can live your life connected to spirit. And that's why so many of us, let's just say my generation, millennials, people a little bit older than millennials, we live in a time where there's so much expansion. People are living in vans and traveling the world. People have online businesses more than ever. People are starting their own businesses, coaches, their online schools. People are, um, I mean, we just had same-sex marriages become legal not too long ago. Expansion there. Um, People are living their lifestyles just totally different. And there's non-binary and we're coming to terms with the fact that there are many genders besides the two that we have lived 
our lives believing in and and everywhere you look there's expansion things are happening we never would have believed or dreamed would have happened even for our parents generation and so while the black and white way of thinking really may have served our parents maybe it didn't serve them but that's what they chose to believe in. That's all they knew. I think that's the case for a lot of people. That's all they knew. Like, I don't know about your grandparents, but my grandparents got married because they they knew about each other because they lived in the same neighborhood. Like, it, they were in the same neighborhood. My grandpa went off to the Navy, came back, saw my mom was really hot and beautiful and lovely, and they got married. And um, my parents met through a mutual friend. And now here we are meeting by Bumble. People are dating from across the world. There's a 90 Day Fiance show. There's just so much expansion. There is an open-mindedness. And I think a lot of people have left religion and religious constructs and organized religion. I think this word organized is really important too. They have left this way of thinking because it has felt stifling and it doesn't match up with the way they're living the rest of their lives. And there has been a a head-to-head battle with the way our world is evolving and religious beliefs. So one example here I'll say is same-sex marriages. I think that Obviously, I mean, I come from a Christian background, so let me make that clear. And I will go into my story and all that good stuff. I'm just kind of rolling with it right now because this is where I'm heading. But I think when I really think about it, um, a lot of people have decided to move into having a more open minded spiritual mindset where they can bring in various modalities to have a connection with God or the universe, such as that language, you know, even that in itself is a very spiritual thing is to allow other words to be used for God, like the universe, the divine spirit, the one mother, father, even that in itself was not allowed in my household. There was only one word and it was God. And, um, for some people that may work really well, but for others, it might not feel good because of the way you were brought up, the way you were raised. So maybe another word feels good. And that's even that in itself is a more spiritual way of thinking about spirit about the divine is giving it a new word that feels good to you you're still connecting to the same thing but you're doing it in a way that feels good rather than feels bad and i i believe that's what god wants you to feel good when you think about god the universe um going back to what i was saying about same-sex marriage though i think as people are stepping into who they are realizing, hey, I'm a man, I like men. Hey, I'm a woman, I like women. Hey, I'm a woman who likes all people. I don't really see gender. I just see love. I see the soul. As that's becoming more and more open, there's a lot of friction and tension that's happening with people who want to love who they love and also believe in God. Because for as far as I know, in Christianity, that's not allowed. And so therefore, if you love who you love on earth, you therefore cannot, you or you don't feel that you're loved by God, or therefore you cannot be Christian, or there's just constant friction of loving your life and loving God or being loved by God. And so when I really got real with that example in my mind, and I thought to myself, All right, so there's a God, and this is me maybe five years ago. So there's a God, and he loves all people, but if you love people who have the same gender as you, therefore you have to, and you can't change that. Let's just say you cannot, quote, fix that like so many people try to make it it fixed. You can't fix it. That's just who you are. Would... The loving God that we, we hear of want this person to live a terrible life on earth. And they're, they're very brief amount of time on earth. Is that what our loving God wants? He creates a person. And I'm going to say he just because that's me like autopilot. I just say he. But for I'll just say this now as another disclaimer. I mean, he, she, it. So you can substitute whatever works for you. But I'll probably say he because that's just my autopilot word. So, um let's say he creates some beautiful soul and was like, I want to put this soul on earth. Um, and I'm going to let the soul discover itself. And then let's say the soul decides that it is, um, bisexual. Do you really think where I'm asking myself, 
do I really think that an all loving God who purposefully created a person, but all the hairs in their head, gave them a life, gave them a family. Do you, do I really think and believe that this person was chosen by God to have these struggles and also God made sure they had a terrible life where their family exiled them and God wanted them to live their entire life knowing that he doesn't really love them because they're different. That never sat with me. That never sat at all with me. So taking those examples really served me in helping me to reaffirm that if 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 those pillars some of the stronger pillars of Christianity don't sit well with me. Therefore, it's very simple. I'm not Christian. I'm not Christian. I'm not of that religious mindset because I believe that God actually did create every single human, the hairs on their head, divinely orchestrated this world we live in. You know, that's one of the one things scientists can't figure out is how life was formed on earth. There's so much life. There's no answer for how we all came to be. I do believe that there is a divine who has created all this. Don't know what it looks like at all. We can get into that later. But I do believe there is this divine energy that's created all of it. And I, I in my body, feel so certain that this divine energy is pure love. And there's no way that I can believe that the divine is pure love and the divine is okay with people living a life with hate directed at them for being gay for being different, for loving nature, for mm, being flawed. I don't believe that the one thing in this universe that's pure love, because, you know, you know, we are in our core love, but we also have a lot of other flavors. We also are very capable of hate. I don't think that the divine is capable of hate. I think the divine is pure love. When I think about that and I think of what pure love really is, the the absence of all hate and anger and jealousy and gluttony and frustration and fear and madness and all of that. There's just this pure light with this pure light who orchestrated life. Be cool, be cool with people being raised in a family that exiled them and punished them and hated them for who that they, who they love, who they want to sleep with, who they feel connected with. Would my divine God be cool with that? No, not mine. I mean, this is just me. I don't believe that the universe at all wants anyone to live a life of fear and hate. I think the universe wants everyone to feel closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to love. I don't think the universe, the divine said, only women can be with men. This is the way it should go. I don't think the universe is black and white at all. I think the universe is every shade, every color, every shape. It's everything. It's everything good. It's pleasure. It's just, oh, the divine is nothing but light and goodness. So that's quite an intro. (laughs) I did not plan to go all into that, but that's how I want to start this off so you know what you're getting into. So to bring it on back just a little bit, I was was raised in a very loving household, and I say this on every podcast I've ever been interviewed on. I was raised in a, a household that was also very religious. You know, I was raised in the South, Dallas, Texas. Um, lots of black and white rules of who I could be friends with. Um, you know, I did the true love weights program. So basically I wore a ring on my ring finger saying I was promised to God until I was married off to a man. I did the program. My mom sat outside with me on a picnic blanket every Sunday for four weeks and told me about the birds and the bees and saving my virginity and purity for a man one day. Um, went to all, I went to Bible study every single Sunday growing up. I was, I had to go to Wednesday night youth group every single week, no options. Um, I had five different Bibles, all of them engraved with my name. Uh, I was rewarded whenever I was younger for memorizing the 10 commandments, um, Every conversation went back to God. I mean, every single conversation went back to God in my life. This is all facts. None of this is opinion here. I just want to make that very clear. Everything went back to God. Every conversation, um, whether it was a a bad thing or a good thing. If If I did something bad, then, you know, God wasn't very happy. If I did something good, God was very happy. And, um... 
I think if you're if you're someone who's listening to this podcast, you probably get it. I don't want to go into too deep of detail because I understand that not all my memories are perfectly spot on, but what is spot on is my feeling. I will always remember the feeling that I had when I thought of God and church. Gosh, every Saturday night I was like dreading the next day because I knew the routine, what we were going to have to do. Just never felt good to me. I never felt very invited and very close. The Christian crowd at my school was really, really judgmental towards me. That's what I felt. Maybe, you know, if I take a bird's eye view, I don't really know. That was so long ago. But I remember feeling very judged. I remember in college, in my sorority, not fitting in the way that I wanted with the Christian group. Um, And yeah, it was just a lot of feeling like an outsider, never feeling like, you know, a lot of the the um, the Christian community was also very sporty and I was not very sporty. And I struggled because they all did sports and they all were in this, just this vibe and this energy that I never quite fit into. And as I got older, I started to find myself thinking about God and feeling automatic emotions of punishment. So I had this habit. I mean, you if, if you've listened to the show for a while, you probably know a bit about my story. I had an eating disorder. I needed to lose weight, count calories, all of that to control my anxiety and depression. I fell into a very deep disordered eating pattern, exercise addiction, body dysmorphia, constantly using food to feel safe, to feel loved. I had no connection with spirit, with God, really. It was all just forced. It was all the things I had to do, chores. Um, and um, yeah, that was a very big part of my life is feeling like I needed to control. But another thing that I did is I used to count my sins like every day. I'd count my sins. I'd write them down. I had this obsession with confessing and I was not Catholic. I was Baptist, but I had a, I had an obsession with confessing because I was, I just was raised knowing there were so many rules and God doesn't honor that. God does honor that. And so I just constantly walked around with anxiety and fear, like so much anxiety. And the way that I healed that anxiety was by talking to my my mom at the end of the day saying, here are the things I did that were bad. And I don't think she thought too much of it. I think for her, it was just like, oh, she's letting it out. You know, this is good. It's it's fine. I don't remember. I don't have any memories of my mom ever using that against me, saying, oh, you did this. It was always just like, you know, space being held for me to share. And the the list building, though, I mean, man, if I go back and I think about those lists, For a kid who should be exploring life and having fun, I sure did. I was sure very aware of all my sins. And I had a memory of every night praying for my sins to be forgiven. And I was terrified, terrified that if I happened to die before my nighttime sin request, sin prayer, asking for forgiveness, I would go to hell. Because I thought that if I didn't have every single one of my sins asked for to be forgiven, I would go to hell. That scared me so much because also when I was in second grade, I watched the night of the living dead and that terrified me for years. Every night I thought that the dead were going to raise from the grave and come and get me. And on top of that, the rapture. So the rapture, if you're not religious or you're not Christian, the rapture is a time when all Christians are taken up to be with God in the in-between, I think. It's kind of been a while, but all the everyone. And so, yeah, knowing that I'm not preaching here at all, but from my understanding of the rapture, every all the Christians on the world at some time are taken and then two people are left. They are the witnesses to spread the light of Jesus and God and do their work. And then there's going to be like a seven year battle. And then at that point, everyone who's not Christian goes to hell and everyone who has can become Christian in those seven years goes to heaven, you know, or they go to the after place and then everyone goes to heaven go, they go to the new earth, something like that. But on top of the night of the living dead fear, And on top of the fear that if I died before saying my nighttime, please forgive me for my sins prayer, I also had the fear that the rapture would happen and I would be left. Like a massive fear. I was so worried that I was going to be left behind. And I was told often by my family, by church, that the rapture could happen any day. The rapture could happen any day. I remember being in fifth grade and thinking that was the last year of my life and being really sad. Because I knew that at any moment, all my friends would be taken. I hope I'm taken. And so I had this immense anxiety because who's going to tell me for certain if I'm going to be taken? Who's going to tell me for certain that I am Christian? I think I asked God to, there's the prayer every Christian makes to become Christian where you invite 
Jesus into your heart. And I was so terrified that my first prayer for Jesus to be in my heart actually didn't work. You know, no one can tell me. God's not going to tell me that, yes, it worked. And my parents say, well, if you did it, you did it, right? You did it? And I said, yes. And they said, okay, well, you did it. But I couldn't trust myself. I couldn't trust myself because there were so many rules. So you see how this cycle is madness to me, at least. The cycle's madness. And I, you know, I was, I was for years, for years, I mean, probably, I'm 27, so probably for 20 years, um, at least a couple times a year, I would do the same prayer of asking Jesus into my heart because I was just really afraid that the first time it didn't work, second time it didn't work. When I was baptized, it didn't work because I still felt flawed. And I thought that when you invited Jesus into your heart, you were no longer flawed. But then I also realized you needed to still ask for forgiveness for all of your sins. And then you would be forgiven for your sins. But am I still really Christian? I just couldn't know the black and white, the black and white. The God is in your heart versus the God is not in your heart. It was just so confusing to me. And it never felt right, never felt good. It felt scary. It felt lonely. You didn't feel connected. And in my household, at least, there was just so much emphasis on church being the place for community. And not going to church was very bad. It's how you distance yourself from God. And in my family, you know, we weren't really allowed to say, I was raised very, I was very strict. My household was very strict. Um, again, I understand they wanted to keep me safe. I have a beautiful relationship with my parents and I appreciate everything they've done. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. They, everything they've done has helped me and served me. And I can now be on this podcast to share. And we are all very close and they, they're really cool. Like they are. And I just want to make that clear because they were doing the best they could. And yet there were a lot of there were a lot of rules in my household. One of the things that I really remember is the um, the abstaining we had to have from from certain verbiage like Mother Nature or spirituality, Mother Earth, a tree hugger. Um, even when I became vegetarianism, that was bad. So like all these things that were actually very much about love and about connection, I was not allowed to say, not allowed to believe in, and. Um, I remember, I have several memories of it being just a very bad thing for people to miss church to go be in nature. And there's a very famous pastor, his name is Rob Bell, he has a podcast, he's, he's great. And, you know, his church is going, his church is going out on his paddleboard and being in water. Because he knows that when he is in water, he feels connected to God. I think I remember listening to a podcast of his where he even said he doesn't go to church really anymore. His Sunday morning is going out to the be with water and to see whales and to go whale watching. And to me, I'm like, yeah, that is how I feel connected to spirit. That is how I feel connected to God being in nature. And for that to ever be a thing that is bad or not Christian, not spiritual, not religious. How could, how does nature not make it into religion? So I'm breaking down the reasons why religion is, is something I moved away from. I, it just two and two, it, it just doesn't work. It doesn't add up at all. I do not equal four here. I am a circle and I'm not going into a square peg simply because of the facts here. I don't believe that mother nature is not part of spirituality and God. I believe that mother nature is God. I believe worshiping the feminine and loving the feminine is just as important as loving and worshiping the masculine. And that's another thing that I knew in Christianity, in Christianity and religion. I, there was always a hierarchy. Men are above women. I'm just being very straightforward about that. Men uh, are to rule the household and women are meant to be submissive to their husbands that as a blanket statement, no, here are the, um, here are the warning signs that maybe it's not the situation or here's the caveat. Like there's none of that. It's just men. You are meant to be household women. You are supposed to be submissive and that women cannot be pastors or preachers. Um, children honor your mother and father. There were a lot of things that did not come with enough description. And those things, I believe, were really taken out either. I mean, there's a whole bunch of history of the writing of the Bible. I know that there was, um, I mean, it's just, I, I don't feel very good about listing off statistics because I haven't done my due diligence here. So I'll make that known. But I remember, I've heard things of how it's really a group of men that selected what's going to be in the Bible and what's not. And then along the way, they have 
decided what were the really important bits, like honor your mother and father or uh, women be submissive to your men. And like those things have been taken way out of context. And I don't, I don't, me, I don't believe that that is what the divine has meant. I don't believe that at all. And who wrote the book, who wrote the Bible, this Bible that we live our lives by, who wrote it? What state of consciousness were they in? You know, that's a very important question. How do they know what to write? We are, we don't have answers to these questions, but yet so many people are walking around believing this to a T and we have to have compassion for people who believe this to a T one, it could feel good to them. It actually could. And if it feels good to them, that's good. I want people to have a spiritual life, a life connected to God that feels good. That is all I, I want. And I start with just me, what feels good for me. And, you know, one, one of the questions I was received, I received from my Instagram following is received quite a few, but one of them is how has your family responded to your switch, your change? It has been not easy for them. I had to have a very straightforward conversation with my dad about this and it was very hard for him. But I think after that, we just came to an agreement that we put religious conversations to the side. I figure out what I believe in. They stick to what they believe in. On my end, it's my job to be very compassionate for what they believe in and let them do their thing. I don't want to change them. What they believe in works for them and it feels good for them. And so I encourage you, if you have family members who believe in something that you don't, you are 110% in control of your life. You do not have to believe what they believe in and vice versa. They do not have to believe in or move into believing what you believe in. That is the opposite of understanding and acceptance if you're trying to control them as you change your own beliefs. You do not need their permission to change your beliefs. It's also very important to understand. A lot of times people change their beliefs, but they don't fully change them because they don't think they can unless they get the validation and permission of the people who first gave them their beliefs. So a lot of people get really stuck because they're trying to be more spiritual rather than religious, but they let, let, to some extent, this is definitely a choice. They let their family's opinions of them stop them from changing their beliefs. And they stick around and they wait until their family's on board with their new beliefs and they create resentment because they're disempowered and they're waiting for their family to improve. And most likely they're not going to because your family believes in what they believe in. And if they're ever going to change that, it's not because they had it beaten into them the way religion was beaten into you. So you cannot use the same mechanisms that were taught to you. That's just very important to think about. My own journey, well, let's see. I've shared quite a bit about how I got to where I believe now, like with the the beliefs that don't fit into my idea of love um, and what I think the divine is. But I would say sometime after college is when I really started feeling a lot of resistance. For those of you who have been following my work for a while, you know that I created a program called Scripture Food and Healing. I created a program that was all about healing your eating disorder through scripture. Don't ask if you want it. I don't have it anymore. I took it down. But I went through the Bible and I got all the passages that were about food and healing and that really served me and it felt really good. And I made this whole six week course about healing your eating disorder through God. And 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 it was a big part of my life. Like faith had been a big part of my life, but never in a way that felt that great to be honest to be very blunt it always felt forced and it always felt like there was fear behind it I was never doing enough never being enough and then I remember some of the some of the most expansive moments that I had were in Bali oh big shocker in Bali the most spiritual hub in the world but I was there and I went to a place called the yoga barn if you have a trip to Bali and you are future at all go to the yoga barn it's amazing and I remember just sitting on a yoga mat waiting for my class to start and having this moment where it just felt like spirit entered me. And I don't say that in a way, it wasn't like, it's in retrospect, I feel that. So don't be waiting around for spirit to enter you in this one big profound ball of light because it didn't feel that way. It feels like that now when I look back. But I just remember, I think really what it was, was heart opening. I just felt my heart open. I was surrounded by people from around the world. I felt love, we were all connected. I felt the yoga. I really felt the yoga, the energetic yoga pulsing through my body. And in that moment at the yoga barn, I realized I wasn't religious. I was expansive. I was not black and white. I was not a walking around right and wrong rule book. I was expansive and I was limitless and I wanted 
to have a spiritual life that felt that way. I wanted to connect with God through yoga. I wanted to connect through God through chanting. I wanted to connect through God with God through crystals and tarot cards and people of all colors and cultures and backgrounds and people who had who were who had same-sex marriages, people who were queer, who, people who were I don't know, old, young, all people. I just wanted to love all people. And the idea that I could have a spiritual life like that where I no longer was chained to judgments around myself and constantly judging others, that sounded more delicious to me. That sounded more like God. I felt like God wanted that. I I feel like God wants that. I feel like God wants everyone to have their precious life on earth full of love. So much freaking love. Not hate, not judgment, not war, not battle, not anger, closed-hearted anger, I should say. Open-hearted anger has a time and place for sure, but not closed-hearted anger. And in Bali and through the rest of my travels, I really felt an expansion. Traveling, the, the three or four months that I spent traveling around, four months, Southeast Asia were some of the most profound experiences that I've ever had and it it changed my spiritual life that was a byproduct of those travels I didn't expect I thought yeah yeah I'll get courage I'll meet cool people I'll go on some tinder dates in Thailand and you know check all that out but no there was a deep rewiring happening in my heart in my my um, nervous system and my brain like I was just expanding I was seeing people worshiping Hindu gods I was seeing people devoted to their gods I was seeing people welcoming me into their houses I was connecting with people in new ways seeing the world has wildly served me and my spiritual life even going to Israel Israel was a huge part of my spiritual connection with the divine and it sounds kind of weird I think my family thought when I went to Israel I'd maybe come back to Christianity but that's total opposite what happened in fact what Israel did for me was I had some beef with Jesus I'm not gonna lie I had some beef with Jesus because Jesus reminded me a lot of judgment people I can't love people I can't hang out with even though it's like, I get it, it's totally opposite of what Jesus did. He hung out with prostitutes, crying out loud, tax collectors. He hung out with everyone. But that's not what we're taught in Sunday school. We are not taught that. And if we are taught that, maybe we're not taught that at home. We're not taught that in the religious community in general. We're very much taught, stick with people who are like you. Birds of a feather flock together. That's what I heard all the time. Um, I had friends that I wasn't allowed to be friends with anymore growing up. Just a lot of you know, because of their religious beliefs. And I dated only Christians until I was probably 25. And if they weren't Christians, I was stressed about it the whole time, even though they were probably full of love and free of judgment. Amazing people that I didn't date anymore. Um, And, you know, my partner right now is not spiritual at all. And I'm incredibly spiritual. And we are madly in love. And it works. And it feels good. And he's happy. And he feels like just it's I wouldn't have this relationship if I was so obsessed with this black and white. Either you're Christian or you're not. Either you're spiritual or you're not. So going back to Israel, I had a lot of beef with Jesus up until that point. And Israel was in 2018. So it wasn't too long ago. And I went for multiple reasons. I went because I was going for an acro yoga convention, but also because I wanted to feel and learn more about Jesus. Because up until that point, I didn't have good feelings about him. I felt like he judged me always. And I felt like he wanted me to burn hell if I didn't believe in him. And I wasn't really believing in him. And um, I went and I, I went and I walked in, in Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And I went to the Sea of Galilee. And I went to um, uh, the Dead Sea. I went and I saw, I saw where... I saw where Jesus was hung on the cross and I saw the, the blood apparently that fell on the rock and I touched my hand, touched the same place he touched whenever he was walking in Jerusalem. And wow, wow, did it heal something for me. The ins and outs of that are complex and not easily put into words, but it healed something big for me. I believed in Jesus until that point. I was kind of just like, should I just throw out all this? But no, I absolutely believe Jesus was a real person like that. That to me is very true. I mean, we've got plenty of 
plenty of evidence that that is very, very, very true, that Jesus is real. And I believe the Buddha is very real. And I believe that we've had multiple prophets that have come. And I believe that God, the universe, he, she, the divine is constantly sending people here on our planet Earth to remind us of love. And I believe Jesus is one of those people. Absolutely. And since that trip for me and since really slowing down and learning more about Jesus and feeling his presence and his energy in that beautiful country that I've come to adore and love my heart and soul and love Jesus for all he's doing, he's, he did, um, I've been able to appreciate the beauty that Jesus has done and what Jesus has created. And now that I look back, I can, I can really see Jesus and what he did in a different way. Even before, if I was told Jesus hung out with tax collectors, tax collectors and prostitutes, it never really sunk in my head because I had so much resistance and pain around all of it. But now since I've healed a lot of that inner resistance to letting Jesus just be real, and I've acknowledged that he's definitely real, I'm looking at the stories and I'm reading about him differently. I'm reading the fact that he hung out with prostitutes and it's feeling different than when it felt when I was younger. And when I was younger, it was only, well, Jesus did this, but we don't do this, right? No, we do this too. We do need to hang out with people of all different types if they feel good, right? And we have boundaries. Like that's, that is said, we understand that, right? But all people are people. All people are spirits having a human experience. All people are flawed. All people are deep down in their core the same, and we are love. Regardless of our color, our culture, our sexual orientation, who we love, who we don't love, we are all human beings craving connection. Jesus was all about that. And I'm so grateful for the stuff he's done for healing. Now, the specifics of the Bible and the Bible stories, I've kind of let it go in my head of what was real, what didn't happen, what's a metaphor. In my life, I like to think of the Bible as a lot of beautiful metaphors of how we should live. And I also understand that the Bible has been rewritten by humans who are also flawed. I do not take anything as black or white. And I think a lot of things have been misinterpreted. I've mentioned this book recently, but A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle is a wonderful book for anyone who's looking to heal their relationship with Jesus, Christianity, religion, move into spirituality. He talks about scriptures in a completely new context, context that I wish we heard about in Sunday school and growing up, but it's, it's not something we probably heard of. But he will pull out scriptures that are very powerful and explain their true meaning, at least to me. It feels like their true meaning, the, how those scriptures really meant love love and humility and taking the ego out of it being on earth not for earthly possessions but for love i think that the main message of jesus is the same as not maybe identical but very close to a lot of other spiritual teachers and healers of love don't be so concerned with earth and and your ego and being the best and being the winner i think jesus was trying to have the same message of love um Someone has asked me my thoughts on hell, and I will just be straight up honest about my current thoughts of hell. I do not think hell exists. If you want to hear more about this, listen to my podcast episode I did with Chandresh Burdwaj. Hope I said that right. Um, his last name, I got it down. It's been a while since I've said it. Burdwaj. Bardwaj. Um, listen to that. It was very recent. Chandrash, we talk about hell. I bring up the big question for him. He explains it beautifully. I've never really put into words, but I'm being honest here about my thoughts. I do not think that there is one. Some people listening to this might be like, mm-hmm, there is one. And that's totally cool because it's probably serving you. Doesn't serve me. It puts me back into a mindset of fear and anxiety and depression and black and white way of thinking and not knowing if I can trust myself, if I'm actually good enough to not burn for eternity. I do not think that the divine wants us to be in agony and pain and uh, misery for all of our life because I don't think the divine has an ego like that. When you really think about it, for me at least, I think that for God to say you believe in me and only me and fully and you accept me into your heart in a certain way and then you get dipped in water and you're not set you're not having sex before marriage before you have a government document hello come on and you have to have this government document and you can only sleep with these kind of people and have friends with these kind of people and you have to honor your mother and father even if they did all these terrible things and blah 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 I don't think that God needs all of that 
to want his creations, her creations to have pleasure. I don't believe in hell. I do not think that there are, you know, a hundred different rules that we have to follow in order to not burn in hell for eternity. I don't think our God has an ego like that. Because that's what it feels like to me. It feels like ego. Like, believe in me, accept me as your number one, and then you get to not be burning in torturous, painful ways for all of eternity. I don't, mm, you know, I don't feel, I don't feel it in my body. I think God is love and wants all love. And he is not concerned, but his desire is for us to have heaven on earth, to have peace on earth, to love all and the way he loves all. So I don't believe in hell and I've let go of the constant fear in the back of my mind of not being accepted into heaven and instead burning in hell. As long as I continue to live my life in alignment with spirit and the divine and and, and, there, and there's no, there's no rules though. Even then, like I don't have to pray in order to, to get God's love. And I can find myself kind of going into that old stale stuff sometimes. Like a, you know, I don't really have prayer in, in the old traditional way of dear God, please forgive me for my sins. Thank you for what you have blessed upon my family. Um, I, I pray for, but I don't really do that. And there are times where I'll be like, Oh my God, I have I haven't prayed. I haven't. Oh my God. I just said, Oh my God. Like, ah, all the sins are stacking on each other. And, um, you know, that comes up still. And there's still sometimes I'm not going to totally say I never think about hell because absolutely I do. And I also do not let myself be indulgent in those thoughts and fears because that's really what it is to me. It's a big distraction of doing my real work on earth. My real work on earth is to be as conscious as possible, be a light as much as possible, do the best I can on earth, and then who knows what happens. My thoughts, they kind of go in and out. Right now, I'm just, I I try to have a mindset of curiosity about all spirituality. I have 110% come to the conclusion I'll never know anything. So I stopped trying. I stopped having all the why questions, my little tiny human brain that only uses 10%. I know it cannot even fathom what the universe is, what God is, what, what's going to happen to us when we die. But I do think something happens. I do. Um, I was watching, I've, I've seen several videos of women and men who say they have crossed over and they've seen a light and they've seen, they just felt peaceful but they were, they were conscious of it. They felt peacefulness, but it wasn't like being a human. It was just like they were just consciousness and they felt peaceful. And sometimes I like to imagine that when we die, all of our, well, a couple things can happen. One thing I wonder, I just wonder, I'm curious, wonder if all of our souls like go back into this big, I imagine like a big bulb of souls and we're awake to it. Like we experience it. Like all of our souls are lifted up and they go into this completely different place and we're conscious, but maybe we don't have bodies. Maybe we just, we're, we're feeling, we're experiencing, we're, we are seeing, but we're all part of the same energy bulb. I don't know. It sounds so crazy, but that's just, it seems like there is a place where I think all of us have consciousness. I know all, duh, all of us have consciousness and all of us have souls. And I think that we are all part of the same big soul. And maybe that is God. You know, maybe we go back into God. Maybe we go back into the universe from, from where we came. We don't know about where we came now. We're humans. But if our souls are infinite and they've been around long before we have, and there is maybe other lives we've lived, our souls, they bebop around. I think maybe we go back into the big one soul and we're conscious to it. Or maybe we have another life. Someone on my Instagram recommended this book. I have it next to me. It's called Reincarnation Blues. If any of you have any fears around heaven, hell, death, afterlife, what happens to read this book? It's fiction. It's fun. It's amazing. Like it's fast. It's so much fun. It's fascinating. I just love it. Reincarnation Blues is all about it's following the journey of all these different lives this guy has. And he has 10,000 lives. And it kind of summarizes what I think could be what we have, what we experience. Maybe not. I don't know. That's the thing, though, about being spiritual. You don't try to fit your beliefs into one specific construct or you don't try to make it organized. You don't try to make it rigid. 
um, the pure masculine is all about boundaries and, and it can be about structure and logic and it is consciousness and its core, but it's not about rigidity. It's not about toxicity. It's not about right and wrong. It's not about perfectionism. That's a toxic masculine. So if the most pure, beautiful part of my life is my spirituality, why would I make that rigid? Why not make that as indulgent and beautiful and expansive as possible? It's a lot easier to live my life knowing that I will never know who God is, what God is, what it looks like, if it's an energy, if it's an entity, what the afterlife looks like. I do not allow my teeny tiny human brain to get obsessed with all of those things because in the end, I'll never know. I'll never know, but I can imagine. I can be curious. I can wonder. I can have conversations with people about this. So where am I today? Today, I connect with the universe and whatever modality feels good to me on a moment to moment basis. Sometimes it's through sex. Sometimes it's through tarot cards. I pull a card and the card says, be in nature. And I go be in nature because I feel that for some reason I need to be in nature. And then I feel connected to God by being in nature, feeling dirt in my toes. Some days it's through yoga by moving my body. Some days it's through crying. I think all of these things can connect us to God if we allow it to. If we stop saying that we have to connect with God only through certain ways like church or writing down our sins or confessing our sins or going to Bible study, I don't think God, the universe, ever intended us to only have certain ways we can connect to it. I connect to God in any way I want. If it's through a rose quartz crystal, great. God, God, God. I look for God everywhere. I want God to be everywhere. I don't want God to only live inside little things. I don't want God to only live inside of a cross necklace or live inside of a church. I want God to be everywhere in my bedroom. I want God to be in my journals. I want God to be in my my coaching sessions. I want God to be in my retreats. I want God to be in... The, the erotic novels I read, I want God everywhere. And do could a loving, compassionate spirit actually say, terrible shame on you for finding me in mother nature? No, I don't think so. I believe God wants you to love who you love, live your time on earth full of pleasure, trying to be a light, trying to be as most as the most conscious version of yourself as possible, find purpose in your day-to-day life, grow, feel, have emotion ripple through your body. I feel that our emotion helps us connect. Our emotion is what creates more empathy on this planet. And I think God wants more empathy on this planet. I don't think God wants more war. I don't think God wants more hate and divorce and breakups. And not that those things are bad. Divorce is not bad. That's not what I'm saying, but there's pain within that, right? I think there are many ways to have relationships and I think sometimes if, if it moves you more towards love, divorce is totally where God can be found. If you are moving more towards love and consciousness and your dharma and joy and you do it in a conscious way, you, the conscious uncoupling, and it feels like love, I believe God is found in that divorce or in that breakup. I don't believe God is obsessed with finality, finality of numbers, of glorifying, being together for a certain amount of time, having a commitment for a certain amount of time. I don't believe God is obsessed with time, considering time is a construct and it's not real. Please don't ask me to expand on that because I'm not good at talking about it. I'm still trying to understand it myself, but time is a made concept. Why would an infinite God who's been around for forever, the universe, energy, be obsessed with something human made? Why would God be obsessed with time and finality of you spending your human years on earth doing one thing forever when time is created by you? We made it up as humans. He didn't. Why would he, she, be glorifying something man-made? Love is infinite. My God is infinite. I choose to believe in expansion. I choose to believe in in love. And that is not me saying, I can do whatever I want without no consequences because my God loves me no matter what. That is not what I'm saying. There are consequences. That's why consciousness is so important. Meditating, being with God, being compassionate. I'm not saying go break up and, and tell someone that they're terrible and leave them and say that I'm doing this because God is love. That's not love. 
We want to do things, especially painful things, sensitive things, as connected to God as we can, as connected to the universe as we can consciously, hearing people out, having compassion, setting boundaries, leaving when it's time to leave, loving yourself, honoring yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to go through a couple more questions that I received from Instagram followers. Um, One of them is, do you still feel guilt? How do you deal with it? Guilt is a normal, healthy human emotion. I might feel guilt from time to time. Let's say if I let go of a commitment that I did commit to, I might have that feeling of, ugh, I put them in a bad position. Dealing with it, ask myself, what can I do now? What can I do to fix it? What can I do to alleviate the pressure on this person I just canceled a commitment on? How do I hear them out? Make sure they feel heard. Sometimes just about expressing the guilt, embodying the guilt. I might go into my bedroom for 10 minutes and scream into a pillow and release all that guilt that is eating me away. This question might be specifically about guilt with religion. And if that's true, no, I don't feel religious guilt. I don't believe God is all for humans feeling guilt to repent. I think the more towards love and forgiveness and compassion, the better. Um, Like the question, how has your family responded? Like I said, my family loves me. They would rather us all be in harmony. We have come to the conclusion that religion and spirituality are conversations off the table. I do not come to them talking about astrology and they do not come to me talking about how I must go to church to be saved. Um, We love each other for who we are. I know that they probably still pray every night that I become a Christian. That's up to them. If that makes them feel good, then I'm glad. Um, I want what's best for them. Religion really suits them and makes them feel good and full of love. That's all I want. Um, But we've also had to learn our own boundaries and we've learned that we have these off the table subjects and that's good. That works for us. Everyone stays happy. No one gets sensitive and gets their feelings hurt. No one's living in fear whenever we're bringing up these conversations. Um, And it's just healthier that way. Uh, question, how did you deal with the judgments from the religious community? For me, that's pretty easy because I don't have a religious community. I do not attend church. I feel into church when I go into nature. I feel God whenever I am reading spiritual books or working on myself. Honestly, the place that I feel God the most is my meditation because I'm in consciousness. I'm in nothingness. I'm finally letting my all my thoughts kind of dwindle away and I'm in that space of nothingness. And I think that's where I feel the closest to God is when there's just nothingness. I mean, that feels really healing. It feels like being home, which is why I think when we die, we go into this place of like not nothingness, but also nothingness, like not the chaos of our thoughts and ego and emotions, but like pure bliss. And I think that's what's left when you're doing meditation, specifically Vedic meditation, Vedic, Vedic, Vedic. Go listen to the podcast with Yashoda Devi Ma that I did a while back. Just Google it if you can't find it. We talk about Vedic meditation. It's amazing. Last but not least, I have to have this one quote put into this podcast. My friend Lou of LouEats.com on Instagram, she was actually part of my scripture food and healing course long ago. I had her as a guest speaker because she was someone that was spiritual and Christian and she wanted to talk about disordered eating on the, um, on the course and it was great. It was a great talk and when I told the Instagram community that I was going to be talking about this, she pinged me and said something along the lines of, I'm very excited for this. And I told her, oh my gosh, it's been so long since we connected about this. Because last time we talked was during the scripture food and healing course. We're both like on board with everything. And, and that's where we were in our journey then, quite a few years ago. And I asked her, I said, where are you at now? And this quote, I just thought was a beautiful way to sum up having this transition from religion to spirituality. She said, I lean towards mysticism in the sense that I fully believe in and experience connection with the universe, God, divine, and feel a strong connection with nature and people too. But I don't believe in the idea of human certainty beyond individual wisdom and intuition, meaning being certain of seven-day creation or heterosexuality as God's design, or theological ideas that we project over others does not resonate with me at all. So then, Christianity does not resonate with me beyond mythology and stories that teach us things about humanity and the way we relate to God and others, but don't teach us infallible reality. I think exploring spirituality on one's own terms 
so long as it does not impose on, on others' rights and freedoms, is beautiful. So I didn't swap out Christianity or religion for another one. I simply abandoned certainty for curiosity, and that feels more honest. Beautifully said by Lou. I think this is so incredible, especially this last line. I simply abandoned certainty for curiosity. What a beautiful way to put this journey. And I'm, I think if anyone is really feeling stuck, you have to know a huge key to this of being able to be limitless and free and expansive versus having the rules and organization is that curiosity has to win over certainty. If you're not ready for that and that's not where your journey's at, that is absolutely fine. I just want you to be served where you're at now. And I want so badly the chains of guilt to be broken guilt for wanting to expand, guilt for wanting to change. I think there's a reason why so many of us are moving away from religion. It's not just happening to us. We are deciding this and it's happening for us. We are choosing to, to move away from it because it's not working. It doesn't work to make kids in school feel weird and alone and sad and unwanted because what happens when, when that happens in our school systems? Kids commit suicides. Kids are depressed. God does not want that. No sexual orientation is justified for a child to feel alone and depressed and sad and unwanted. That's not what the universe wants. That is not what the divine wants. The divine wants love at all costs. So <laughs> I know I say that with certainty. I do believe that um, because I do believe certainty and I do believe certainly that God is love. That is what I know if I do know anything. And beyond that, I am all about having curiosity and exploring and that's what's allowed me to have different modalities for connecting with spirit. That way I can connect with God through nature or tarot cards or my dog. Um, and because I've allowed myself to be more curious than certain, I can be with other people who have different beliefs. And that's totally cool because I don't have the one belief. I do not have the one belief. Everything you've just heard on this podcast is just where I'm at. And I hope this serves you. <laughs> This has been, like I said, a highly requested episode and it's something I've put off for a while because it's a big topic and it can be challenging to put into words. And I hope you enjoyed this. This is going to be one that I'm sure I'll recommend to many people who are asking for this in the future who do not realize I have it. And if you have any friends who are moving from certainty to curiosity, moving from a life of religion and going into spirituality or curious about this. If you think this podcast would serve them, maybe it's not, maybe it's too much all at once, but if you think it would serve them, send this on over to them. I would love for them to hear it and I would love your thoughts. If you have them, you can go to maddiemoon.com and you can leave a comment on the show notes for this episode. This is episode 236 all about transitioning from religion to spirituality. And I also have my Instagram, of course, at Madeline Moon, and you can comment there. If you are wanting to learn more about the feminine and masculine and the divine, come to one of my retreats. You can go on over to maddiemoon.com slash events, and you can apply for one of my retreats. We will slow down, have a chit chat, and see if my retreat would be a good fit for you. I'm hosting quite a few in 2019. I would love to have you there. They are deep. They are transformative. They are not for everyone. So that is why we have a session where we slow down and we talk and we connect to see if this really would be a good fit for you. And like I said, I'm doing quite a few over this upcoming year and um, they sell out pretty quickly. So I'm going to be soon releasing the next dates for the spring one. But as of right now, I still have some spots open for the February one. I, by the time this airs, I might have one or two. So if you are curious about coming to the February 8th to 10th Feminine Surrender Retreat, you can go to maddiemoon.com slash events and apply there. You can reach out to me personally and we will slow down together to see if it's a good fit. Thank you for listening to this episode with me being in this. This is a lot. I invite you to go marinate on it for a bit. Relax. Think about what I've just shared, maybe do some journaling. Like I said, would love to hear your thoughts. And I look forward to next week's episode. We have a good one, my friends. Till then, happy 2019.